The following is a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network, powered by Anchor. You are listening to Andy tonight on the plethora of platforms on the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Bleaker. However you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the program tonight. You can always be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford. It is at AllAndyElford and Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. I've been off a week just to digest the great Super Bowl 56. We'll talk about the game after a week of digesting it right here on All Andy Alfred. Punches thrown in Madison. Jawan is getting suspended. We'll have the breaking news for you tonight. The Jackets get away and find a way to win against Buffalo without Elvis and Corpy in the net. The Walleye find their way through the Cyclones and have a firm grip on the ECHL. While we still wait for the CBA in baseball. We have no football more to talk about tonight after tonight's recap of the, of the Super Bowl. NASCAR started on Sunday. But I want baseball! Guess who's back? All in the Alfred. And a shot at a goal! 24 runs in the span of the Shut out. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Two, two, it's time for all Andy Alfred. And with that, I say, oh, I love you guys. And welcome in to another edition of all Andy Alfred right here on your exclusive home for me. That is... With the Anchor Network. And you are listening to me tonight on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network. Whether it be on iTunes, whether it be on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher. However you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you for giving me your time and your effort to tune into the show and to listen to what's happening in the sports world as well as what is happening in my everyday life. You can always be a part of this show. Yes, you can be always a part of this show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElfred. It is at AllAndyElfred, as well as Facebook.com slash AllAndyElfred. And welcome you into the show on this President's Day, the 21st of February, 2022. We are in the studios tonight. We are back. It is truly a pleasure to be with you guys tonight. Uh, a lot to get into tonight. Of course, we're going to have the latest Jackets report as the Jackets getting a huge win last night over the Buffalo Sabres. And uh, by the way, I've got a joke for you. What do the Titanic and the Buffalo Sabres have in common? They're both at the bottom of the Atlantic. There you go. That's a joke for you right there. Also, we'll hear the latest uh, ECHL and Talia Walleye Roundup report as well. 
Also, we'll dive into the recap of the end of the Olympics, which ended yesterday in Beijing. 2022 has concluded. We now get into 2026 is the next Winter Olympics, which is in Milan, which is in Italy. We'll talk about that briefly. Also, we'll dive into the Super Bowl. We've been off a week, of course, and I'll, I'll give you some housekeeping in just a second. Uh, we'll recap the Super Bowl. You'll hear my opinion and some thoughts on the Super Bowl, uh, as well as you know the the breakdown of Brian Flores as well. He is now has a new job. Uh, does this mean that he'll drop the lawsuit with the NFL? We'll get into that. Also, we'll talk about baseball. As the CBA, as the Players Association are now meeting with the owners, and it's going to be around-the-clock service. They're going to be sitting down trying to figure this out because we are now officially started. Technically, today would have been the first games of spring training starting, and we are not there. We are not even close to there. We'll dive into that. But like I said, you can be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred, as well as Facebook.com. Slash all Andy Alford. And let's give me some housekeeping for the quick week. Uh, I was gone last week. I After the Super Bowl, I, I wanted to take some time to digest the Super Bowl. Let you have a chance to digest the game. Because overall the game itself was fantastic. We're gonna start with we're gonna start with that first and foremost before we dive into the breaking news that just dropped before we started the podcast this evening. Uh the Super Bowl to me was, I, I think, very, very good. Very, very good. And to me, Super Bowl 56 will go down as a Super Bowl that, you know, was back and forth between both teams. It was a game that proved that you know the Rams put all their chips in at the beginning of the season and midway point of the season they just said you know what we're going for and you know they and it cashed it cashed in not on not on just the fact that it cashed in for them winning it also cashed me in because I won some money too and I'll get to that in just a second but you know it was just a great Super Bowl to take in and then I, I decided to just to take a week off just to you know reflect on on the game reflect on the show a little bit and you know get you set up for you know the, the long haul that we have now we're going to be doing two shows now again this week we'll do a show tonight and we will do a show on Thursday to get you set up for the weekend uh I'm looking forward to that really am uh you know I'm looking forward to a great weekend ahead I got some time with my wife uh, we've had some good time. We've had, you know, we're in the market for looking for a house right now. We're in the market to, you know, maybe start a family. Uh, but it is just, you know, it comes back to the show and the amount of support that we get for the show. I just can't thank you enough. Um, you know, the, the, the subscriptions, the listens, the, the comments on Facebook and Twitter, uh, to the, all that, I say thank you for the bottom of my heart. Thank you for doing that. And I, I, I truly, truly appreciate the, the listenership that you guys give us. Uh, programming, no. Like I said, we're doing two shows this week. We have our show that we're taping here tonight on the, on the President's Day on 
Monday. We'll have another show on Thursday. And then we'll be back to doing another show on the following Monday. So that's a programming note there. Wanted to also share this with you. Uh, we are in the talks of doing the bracket challenge. Everybody's asking me, hey, you know, when's the bracket challenge going to start? When the brackets get released, we will do it. But I, I, we're going to be opening it up probably as soon as it's available for group play so that you can get your name put in there, your information so that we can get you. And the, the prize this year, of course, is, as always, dinner on me. Your choice restaurant. If you can't decide, be my choice. I'll purchase dinner for you. The winner gets dinner on Bill. And you have to have your final four correct and the national championship correct. That is the key. You can't just have your final, you can't have, oh, I have the one of the final four teams that won the whole damn thing. No, you have to have your final four exactly right and the national championship right to win the dinner. So, so there's that for you. So there's housekeeping notes too. And I love you, baby cakes. Love you, Amanda. So uh, let's dive right into it. Let's start first and foremost with the Super Bowl. After a week off, let's dive right into it, of course. And it was a dandy of a game. I, I, I have to say it's probably one of the best ones so far. And it started off in front of a sold-out crowd at SoFi Stadium. The anthem was done perfectly. I thought the anthem was done great. The the America the Beautiful was fantastic. Halftime show was pretty good. I'm not. Everybody says, "Well, who's probably the best halftime show out there?" There's a few that I will say can can compete. That one, it, it's there. It's the first hip hop version uh, that was out there. I mean, I liked I liked the Super Bowl with Katy Perry. That was a good one. Uh, I like the Maroon 5 one. That was a good one. Lady Gaga did a fantastic job. Uh, so this one being it all mixing together, it's pretty good. It was pretty good. But the game itself was what I was more interested in, and it was fantastic. I took the bangle. I took the Bengals in the plus in the plus four in this one, and it paid off for me. So I was very very happy about that. But it did start off with OBJ getting his 17 yard touchdown pass. From Matthew Stafford and the Rams starting off with a 7-0 lead. Uh, the Bengals did get some points and cash in with Evan McPherson in the end of the first quarter with a 29-yard field goal attempt, making it 7-3 after 15 minutes of play. But then Cooper Cup again getting an 11-yard pass from Stafford, making it 13-3. And the Rams felt like they were starting to run away with it. But then T. Higgins catching the pass from, from Joe Mixon which was basically the handoff play from Mixon, from Burrow to Mixon, Mixon then tossing it up to to Higgins, and they catch the catch a catch the Rams off off their game. Cincinnati puts seven on the board. It's thirteen to ten at halftime. The Bengals then for me, I was I was hoping the Bengals win. I had Cincinnati winning the whole thing. If you listen to the podcast two weeks ago, I had the Bengals winning the whole game. And they had an opportunity to put the game away. They did. Plenty of times they did. And in the third quarter, in the second half, T. Higgins catching that pass. That clearly was a face mask. I will say that. Players day. But the referees did not see it. Higgins catching that pass from Burrow. A 75-yard pass right off the bat in the first in the second half. Making it 17-13. to And I started jumping up and down in my seat. I was like, go, baby, Go! 
and it's 17 to 13 and it's the four point spreads there and i'm like yes yes that's there that's there and then mcpearson kicking a field goal in the third quarter at the 10 15 mark of that of the frame making it a 20 to 13 game with seven points and i'm like oh boy the four points oh boy if i had cincinnati outright that would have been i would have been fine with it but the four points really was killing me right there Matt Gay kicking a 41-yard field goal with six with 5:58 to go in the third and third quarter, making it a 20 to 16 game. Made the spread there still for Cincinnati to win the game. Have Cincinnati plus four the game. And then in the fourth quarter, Cooper Cup getting the slant pass from Matthew Stafford time and time again, being the dagger of the game, and Cup getting the touchdown, and the 2022 Super Bowl. Goes to the Los Angeles Rams with a 23-20 victory over the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, and it was a great game. You know, a great side crowd. Uh, the Like I said, the over-under, the Rams were a four-and-a-half point favorite in the game. I took the, the, the Bengals, at the time it was four points. I took the Bengals plus four. Good thing I didn't hit the over-under, which was... 49 points that that under was smashed. I was right on the smash of the under for you guys in that one. But I did cash in. I took the Bengals to plus four. I won. I put $10 on, on the game and $120. I'll, I'll say it. And it was fantastic to see. Cash that in Michigan. It's all good to go. But Matthew Stafford finally getting the monkey off his back. You know, and for a lot of people, they were asking me early, early in the week, how, who are you going to root for? Because you are a big Lions fan, which I am. And I figured that, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, you're rooting for Matthew Stafford over the game. Look, Stafford was there in Detroit. And I got to give credit that Stafford was there in Detroit. And he did amazing things with the Detroit. But did he win us a Super Bowl? No. Was he injured nine times out of ten? Yes. It was ownership that screwed Stafford out of winning in Detroit, and that's just plain and simple. Bad coaching, bad GM work, and bad ownership. That's why the Fords have got to get out of the out of the Detroit Lions and invest and give the team to somebody that wants to invest in the team, not as making it as their hobby. That's what the Lions are for the Ford family. They are a hobby for the Ford family, and that is just plain and simple. The Ford family has to sell. They have to sell the assets to the Lions. And if when they do, you watch to see the Lions will start beginning winning football games, having winning seasons again. But I'm glad that Stafford does, does, do, does get a ring. You know, and it shuts all the haters out and all the skeptics to say, well, Matthew Stafford doesn't know how to win big games. Well, he does win big games. And he won the Super Bowl. He was 26 for 40 for 283 yards. He had three TDs, but he threw two interceptions in the game. His QBR rating was a 60.5. Akers was the leading rusher for the Rams. He had 13 carries for 21 yards in the game. Cooper Cup, leading receiver. He had eight catches, 92 yards, two TDs. He was the MVP of the Super Bowl. And in my opinion, it should have been Aaron Donald. The, the sack at the end of the game with Burrow going down and Donald sacking him on that fourth down play, if if Burrow had the opportunity, if Burrow, if Burrow was open a little bit more, he could have slipped that pass to Higgins, I mean to Chase, and it would have been perfect. 
that would set him up for field goal range that could win, that could tie the football game, we could have overtime. But if it wasn't for Aaron Donald going for the sack on Joe Burrow, and and he did, he sacked him, Aaron Donald should be the MVP, plain simple. OBJ, two catches, 52 yards, one TD. He went down with a leg injury. He was done for the night. Hopkins, four catches, 47 yards. Harrison, three catches, 43 yards in the game for the Rams. For the Bengals, Burrow, 22 for 33 for 263 yards, one TD, no interceptions. His QBR rating was a 39.7. That's that, that that's not bad. But Mixon was the leading rusher. He had 15 carries for 72 yards, no TDs. Higgins, four catches, 100 yards, two TDs in the game. Jamar Chase, his go-to Receiver, five catches for 89 yards, no TDs. Boyd, five catches, 48 yards, no TDs in the game. CJ Uwazuma, two catches, 11 yards, no TDs in the game. The overall team stats look like this for Super Bowl 56. The Rams had 18 first downs to the Bengals, 15. On third down, the Rams were 6 for 15. The Bengals, 3 for 14. Rams, a perfect 1 for 1 on third down. The Bengals, 1 for 3 on fourth down. They were shooting at 33%. 66 total plays for the Rams. They had 313 total yards of offense, 270 through the air, 43 yards on the ground. And that shows you how good the Cincinnati defense was in that game, how good their defense was. For the Bengals, they ran 61 plays for 305 total yards, averaging about 5 yards per play. The Rams averaged 4.7 yards per play. Of the 305 yards the Bengals had, 226 through the air, 79 yards on the ground. The Bengals 1 for 3 in red zone. The Rams a perfect 3 for 3 in red zones. The Bengals 4 penalties for 31 yards. That's going to be a killer. 2 penalties, 10 yards for the Rams. The Rams had 2 turnovers in the game, which was the 2 interceptions that Matthew Stafford threw. The time of possession went towards the Rams at 30 minutes and 47 seconds. The Bengals 29 minutes and 13 seconds. So Super Bowl 56 it's in the books, and congratulations to the champions of the National of the National Football League, the Los Angeles Rams. Now we wait till August. Well, no, not really. We wait till April for the draft. We got that coming along, but we still have news and notes around the National Football Football League to pass along to you. Uh, judge has ruled that uh, uh, Watson can testify. In nine of his civil cases, that's going to be that's a big thing. Uh, Brian Flores has been added as a coach. Now Flores is suing the league for racial discrimination for racial discrimination when it comes to hiring with the Giants and everything like that. So he's suing the whole league, but he gets another opportunity to coach again. He's going to be a special defensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Defensive assistant is what they're considering him. So, does this push the uh, the lawsuit back? No, I think it's going to be much more of a much more of a prominent now because he can't get a coaching job. And remember, you remember, I I I I danced around this. At Super uh, during the Super Bowl show, and I will I, I will reiterate this: it's all about quarterback play. It's all about quarterbacks and who runs the GM operations 
what sets up the coaches either to fail or succeed. That's that's what it is. I mean, Kraft with, with Belichick, that was perfect. Patricia with Boyle, terrible. The Haslam's running with Stefanski. Books out on it. But Brian Flores is hired as the new coach, the assistant defensive coordinator coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that means, I don't know. I don't know what that means, but uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. We'll see how it all shakes out. Vikings have hired uh, Phillips as their new offensive coordinator from the Super Bowl champion Rams. The big One of the big things that came out today is that the XFL – Yes, the XFL, Vince McMahon's XFL, which is now owned by The Rock, and the NFL have reached a partnership agreement that will focus on creative, innovative programs and protect the health of players, the XFL announced today. The XFL is scheduled to resume play in February of 2023 under new owners Danny Garcia and Red and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And Redbird Capital Partners are all teaming up to relaunch the XFL. The XFL and NFL agreement will give the NFL a petri dish, quote-unquote, to experiment with proposed rules, test new equipment, and develop prospects, officials, and coaches. According to the president of XFL, Russ Brandon. And Brandon has been in the NFL and has experience. He's been an executive for two decades in the Buffalo Bills organization. And, uh, you know, that's good to see. You know, that's good to see. So we all now face the, the the road now to the draft. We'll see how it all shakes out. But congratulations are in order to Matthew Stafford, Sean McVay, and the Los Angeles Rams in winning Super Bowl 56. We'll see how it all shakes out. As you're listening to All in the for tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and however you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And now let's talk a little college basketball. Yes, we're going to talk college basketball. You know I don't talk college basketball all that much. But what I saw Sunday really, really shook me up. So let's dive into some college basketball. And of course, we're going to talk about what we saw on the court on Sunday. And that is what happened between the Michigan Wolverines and the Wisconsin Badgers. A big, big 10 matchup on primetime on CBS. You know, you look at this game and you figure that this was going to be a, you know, a slobber knocker of a good game. And it was. It was in all aspects of this game. You know, it was tied at the break, 31-31, okay? You know, Michigan with with Hunter Dickinson, you know, stepping up to the plate, making it a competitive game, but Wisconsin just rolls over Michigan, and Wisconsin is the better team. They're ranked, they're 15th ranked in the country. They beat Michigan 77-63. You know, and Dickerson, 21 points. 
Nine for 15 in field goal range. Three for three from field from beyond the arc. Davis, 25 points, 17, 11 for 17 from field goal range. Three for three for the three throw line for him in the game. Uh, and Dickerson played 34 minutes. Holstat, 34 minutes. He had six points. He was two for seven from three point range, which was a really was very very bad for him. The bench points came off from Buffkin, who had 17 minutes. He had two points in the game. Played the most minutes off the bench. There. For Wisconsin, it was Davidson. 37 minutes played. 25 points. He was 11 for 17 for field goal range. 0 for 1 in three-point markers in the game. Off the bench, it was uh, Vogue at four points. He was 2 for 4 for field goal range. 12 minutes played. He was no f- 0 for 0 for three-point range. But it goes to it goes that game was just basically washed. The game itself was washed because of two things. Towards the end of the game, Jawan Howard did not find it very very helpful that head coach from the Badgers that the head coach of the Badgers calls a late timeout to sub in players. Now, Howard found that offensive. And to that, I agree with him on that. It's an unwritten rule that you don't call a late timeout just to sub in players. Now, if it was senior night, I can understand that. I can clearly understand that. It's senior night, you got to put all the seniors out on the floor or take them off the floor. And that's plain and simple. But Wisconsin still got three more games still left to play. And two of which are at home. And the last game of the year for them is a senior night game. So why do you call the late timeout? Why do you call the late timeout? You call the timeout late. And to me, Howard had had all the right to be mad about it. And then you had the Wisconsin coach going up to Howard, discussing the situation, and the assist, and basically going back and forth, yelling at each other, and and he's touching Jawan Howard, okay? He's touching Jawan Howard, okay? And then if you see the video, and we'll share it with our, you've seen it on our Twitter account, you've probably seen it all around. You see a Big Ten official come running in to separate. And this is somebody that was on the, the, the scorer's table who is seeing this, jumps down, separates the two. And then the players start coming together. And then the assistant coaches start coming together. And then Joe Carverhawk, the assistant coach from Wisconsin, basically says something in the extent of calling him this, that, and the other, that he that's you know a chicken shit play. That's what else. That's what it was. If you listen to the audio, you hear it say that. And Howard loses it and throws a hand, not a punch, a hand, a hand to Joe Kabaroff, and then it's a melee. Punches are thrown. People are pushed around. 
People are on the floor. It is just... It, it reminded me of the Malice in the Palace a little bit. Um, a few years ago when I was at Bowling Green, North Dakota came to Bowling Green. There was a, there was a, there was a loose ball and the players got into a scuffle which brought the coaches out during the middle of the game. The benches emptied. And this is after the game, during the handshake line. If you two, and, and I'm going to say this right now, if both coaches knew that they this was going to happen, why did we shake hands? Why didn't we do what the NBA does and at the end of the game look at each other, put their hands up and wave, you know, great game, and walk off the court? Why do we shake hands? Because of this tension right here, it and it just boiled over for Jawan Howard. It boiled over. And it was an embarrassing loss for the university, losing by 14. It's understandable that you lost by 14. Wisconsin's a better team. And I agree. I agree. Juwan Howard did not like the timeout with 15 seconds left. And, and, and Wisconsin was leading by 15. Why do you call a timeout? Why do you call a timeout? A large lead, like, if it was, like, two points or a four-point lead, you know, and you want to set up, fine. But a 15-point lead with 15 seconds left to go. I, I, I just, looked, I looked at it, and I couldn't believe, couldn't believe what we were seeing. You know, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, and then you see the players punching punching and throwing hands, knocking each other down to the ground, knocking themselves down. And I'm looking at that, and I'm like, this is like, this is... And the bad thing is, both coaches have to, are at fault with this, okay? And this was breaking before we walk, before I walked into the office tonight. Uh, Jawan Howard has been suspended for the remainder of the regular season, which is the final four games for Michigan, because of his actions. Because of his actions at Wisconsin, after taking a swiping hand, he has been suspended for the remaining five games of the season, and has been fined forty thousand dollars for hitting Wisconsin assistant coach Joe Krabberhoff. In the face. However, Wisconsin's coach Greg Girard was fined ten thousand dollars, but not suspended. And here's the kicker. Here's the kicker of this: the guy who got hit by Juwan, who then threw a hand back, is not going to get anything out of it. Kraverhoff is not expected to receive punishment. When this happened, I turned to my my coworker uh, after seeing the game, and I looked at I looked at her, and I said, "Because she's a basketball fan too." She looked at me, and I looked at her, and I said, "He's fired." There's no the, what, you you have to set an example that this is not how you coach in any form of basketball, no matter what the situation is, and in what no matter what situation is. 
plain and simple. And the fact that Gerard only gets hit with $10,000 and no suspension, that hurts. That bothers me. And then the assistant not getting anything out of it after he was the instigator for that, unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Also, in this, forwards Terrence Williams and Musa debate, and Wisconsin guard Jacoby Neath will each be suspended one game. All three were appeared to throwing punches. The disciplinary action were imposed by the Big Ten in conjunction with both schools. And in, this is the statement. The Big Ten conference coaches and student-athletes are expected to display the highest level of sportsmanship and con- conduct, Kevin Warren said. I am grateful for the partnership with the Michigan Athletic Department, Warren Mitchell, and the Wisconsin Athletic Department's Christopher McIntosh. Our expectations is that the incident yesterday will prove our coaches and student-athletes with an opportunity to reflect, learn, and move forward in the matter that demonstrates decorum and leadership on and off the court. Quote-unquote. To me, honestly... Howard, you know, throwing the punch, that's fine. The players getting a suspension for a game, that's fine. But for the coach of Wisconsin who instigated it only getting a $10,000 fine, no suspension of games, he should be suspended for two. He should be suspended for two games. Howard for the contact, that's four, plain and simple. But for him to instigate it should be suspended for for two games. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. And for the assistant to not get anything. Except for no no suspension. No fine. For the one to get the receive of the punch. But him to instigate it more. To not get suspended. To not get a fine is absolutely atrocious. Plain and simple. This is this right here is subjective. Plain and simple. You know, and I'm not a Michigan fan, but it has to be played on both sides. Gerard should get two games. The assistant should get a game and a five thousand dollar fine. I'm fine with the ten thousand dollar fine. For the Wisconsin coach, but he should be suspended two games. Plain and simple. Fact the fact. I can't wait if this is when they go to the Big Ten tournament. And if they play each other in the Big Ten tournament, oh, you better believe that's going to be must see. That is going to be must see TV. Plain and simple. Get the popcorn for that one. Other games yesterday. Providence, 8th ranked, beats Butler 71-70 in overtime. Houston, a 14th ranked in the country, beats the Wichita State Shockers 76-74 in double overtime. Purdue, 5th ranked in the country, win 84-72 over Rutgers. And USC wins 62-60 over Washington State. We got games tonight, three games in the top 25. Baylor is at Oklahoma State. That's a 9 o'clock tip. Arizona State is at UCLA. That's a 9 o'clock tip. And Indiana is at Ohio State to battle the Buckeyes. 
Uh, other games around the Big Ten. Penn State is at Maryland tonight as well. Now, if you look at the standings in the Big Ten, we'll get to the Big Ten, then we'll get into the Merrimerica Conference. Purdue, top spot, 13-4 overall in the conference played. Illinois, second at 12-4. Wisconsin, 12-4 as well. Ohio State, 9-5. Rutgers, 10-6. Michigan State, 9-6. Michigan, 8-7. Iowa, 8-7. Illinois, Indiana, 7-8. Penn State, 6-9. Northwestern, 5-11. Maryland, 4-11. Minnesota, 4-12. And and Nebraska is 1-14. Overall, Purdue is 24-4. Illinois is 19 and 7, Wisconsin 21 and 5, Ohio State 16 and 7, Rutgers 16 and 10, Michigan State 18 and 8, Michigan 14 and 11, Iowa 18 and 8, Indiana 16 and 9, Penn State 11 and 12, Northwestern 12 and 13, Maryland 12 and 14, Minnesota 13 and 12, and Nebraska 7 and 9 overall. So there's those Standings. Now let's get to the Mid-American Conference. It's not shaping up that Bowling Green's going to make the dance. I, I, They have a long road in front of them, and they have some tough games going forward. And Saturday they lost to Ball State. Ball State just absolutely dominated them in the second half, and they beat them 91-82. to Toledo continues their winning ways. They're now in the top spot in the division. We'll get that in a second. They beat Central Michigan 68-66, just barely beating the Chips. Akron, a 67-48 win over Eastern. Buffalo, an 87-73 win over Western. Miami, Ohio, 78-75 win over Northern Illinois. You look at the standings. Toledo, top spot, 13-3. Ohio, 13-3 overall. But they're in second because of the fact that Toledo has beat them twice. Kent State, 12-4 overall, and they have beaten Toledo twice. Buffalo, 10-4 in conference. Akron, 10-6. Ball State, 7-8. Miami, Ohio, 6-9. Central Michigan, 5-8. NIU, 5-10. Bowling Green, 5-11. Eastern, 4-12. Western Michigan, 2-14. Overall, Toledo is 21-6. Ohio is 22-5. Kent State, 17-9. Buffalo, 16-8. Akron, 17-9. Ball State 12 and 14, Miami of Ohio 12 and 14, Central Michigan 6 and 18, NIU is 12, 8 and 17, Bowling Green is 12 and 15 overall in their conference in overall in college basketball. Eastern Michigan is 9 and 18, and Western Michigan is 6 and 21. Games tomorrow night, the 22nd. Northern Illinois is at Eastern. Northern Illinois is at Eastern. Ball State is at Kent State. Bowling Green has a tough task. They travel over to Akron to battle the Zips. Uh, Buffalo is at Miami of Ohio. Toledo is at Western. That's going to be an easy win. And Central Michigan is at Athens to battle the Bobcats. So that shapes up right there. The top 25 in college basketball looks like this. Top ranked is Gonzaga at 23-2. and Arizona in second. At 24 and 2, Auburn is 24 and 3. They're down a spot. Purdue fourth ranked at 24 and 4. Kansas is 22 and 4. Uh, Kentucky with John Calipari is 22 and 5 in sixth spot. Uh, Coach K 
is 23 and 4. Villanova 21 and 6. Texas Tech is in ninth at 21 and 6. Baylor 22 and 5. Providence 22 and 3. UCLA is in 12th spot at 19 and 5. Wisconsin moves up to number 13 at 21 and 5. Houston 22 and 4 stays at 14. Illinois drops three spots to 19 and 7 at, at the 15th ranked. USC 16th ranked in the country at 23 and 4 move up one. Tennessee falls one spot to 17th at 19 and 17. Arkansas is 21 and 6 moving up five spots. Murray State 26 and 2 moving up two spots at 19. 20th ranked is the Texas Longhorns at 19 and 8. Connecticut 19 and 7 moving up three spots. Ohio State falling four spots to 16 and 7 at the 22nd marked ranking. 23rd ranked is uh, William St. Mary's at 22 and 6, moving up three spots. Alabama moves up one spot to 17 and 10. They're at 24th ranked in the country. And the Iowa Hawkeyes are 25th ranked in the country at 18 and 8. They move up one spot. Michigan State falls from the rankings. So does Wyoming. So there's some college basketball. Also got to make mention of this. So on the world of basketball-wise, got a chance to watch the All-Star game. And I watched some of the Saturday night action. And I agree with Reggie Aloysius Miller and everybody that agrees with everybody that I've been listening to. And I agree with every one of them now. The slam dunk competition was the most boringest thing I have ever seen in my entire life. And I have an idea to improve, improve Saturday night. How about we do a small tournament of one-on-one? That is the best workout, bar none, because you're playing offense and defense in the same time. You pick four guys. You know, you know, actually pick eight guys. Four players play back. Play they play it in half court setting. One on one, first to ten. Three-pointers count as two. Anything in the paint, one. First to ten. You play it in a bracket form, you become the best player on a Saturday night. And still have the three-point competition. Still have the slam dunk. The accuracy, cut it out. And, you know, and Cleveland did a great job with the All-Star game. i got to give credit to that. You know, uh, and, you know, the MVP, the Kobe Bryant uh, MVP for the All-Star game went to Steph Curry. It was, you know, he had a great game. You know, but does it is it me or does it feel like the All-Star game in the NBA doesn't really matter anymore? The best part of it all last night was the 75th at halftime, seeing all the greatest players out there. Jordan, Isaiah. You know, and then and Shaq and Barkley and Kenny and Reggie and all the great players that I grew up with. Grant Hill, all the great players. Jerk, D Wade. You know, seeing LeBron in there, it's fine. Seeing some of the newer players mixing in there, but seeing some of the greats like Kareem and Magic. You know, unfortunately, Larry couldn't be there. You know, these guys are there. Those guys were the soul of the NBA. And this being the 75th anniversary of the NBA, I was just so glad to see that. I was very glad to see that. So, 
Oh, congratulations to Cleveland and congratulations to Team LeBron for winning the All-Star Game, winning over $350,000 for the Kent State I Promise Scholarship. The Cleveland Area Food Bank was for Team Durant. I was glad that they won $150,000 and a new Kia Soul. There's that for you guys. As you're listening to All Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and however you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And now it's time to hear the latest report out of the capital city with the Union Blue Jackets. It's time for the Jackets Report. It's time to fire the cannon, and it's time to put on your jackets. It's time for the Jackets Report, right here on All Andy Alfred. So it's now time for the latest Jackets Report right here. And when I last left you, the Jackets were coming back off of a huge road, a huge win. As they came off the huge win against Washington, they took on the Buffalo Sabres on the 10th of, of Thursday, getting a 4-3 win. They went into Montreal on the 12th and beat up on the Montreal Canadiens the day before the Super Bowl by a score of 2-1. And then we get into last week, of course. On Tuesday night, they went up to Calgary in the Pengrome Saddle Dome, formerly Pengrome Saddle Dome, now Scotia Saddle Dome, Scotiabank Saddle Dome, as they took on the Calgary Flames. The Flames getting the better of the Jackets in this game as it was uh, Gabronson starting off the scoring from Lucic. It was 1-0 Calgary at the two two minutes into the game. Uh, Tip-in shot beating Elvis Merce-Lincolns. It was 1-0 and then Eric Lindholm goes in unassisted, making it a 2-0 game. Lindholm his 19th of the season at the 16-30 mark at the first period before Adam Boquist getting his 9th of the season from Patrick Laine and Boone Jenner his 15th assist of the season, making it a 2-1 game after 20 minutes of play. In the second, it did not go as well for the Jackets as Matthew Kachuk started the scoring at the 15-44 mark of the second period from... Uh, Johnny Hockey himself, Johnny Goudreau, his 40th of the season, and Eric Lindholm, his 23rd assist. It was 3-1 Calgary. And then uh, Devin Dubé getting his 5th of the season from Andres Magnapan on a shorthanded goal as the Jackets were on the power play. Gives up the shorthanded goal, a 2-1 break. And Dubé beats Elvis Merzlinkins. It's 4-1 Calgary after 40 minutes of play. It did not continue the run for the Flames as Rosada getting his fourth of the season from Lewis and Zamsonov, making it 5-1 Calgary before the Zach attack himself. Zach Wierenski getting his seventh goal of the season from Gustav Nyquist and Sean Corrali, making it a 5-2 game. But then the new, newly acquisitioned Calgary Flame, Tyler Toffoli, getting his tenth goal of the season, first as a Flame, making it 6-2 Calgary. At the 11:04 mark of the third period, and that was the final as the Calgary Flames and the Blue Jackets winning streak weighs with a score of 6-2. Lindholm, the number one star, Toffoli, the number two star, and Dylan Dubé, the number three star. Shots on goal in the game went to the Calgary Flames 
as the Flames had 41 shots on net to Columbus's 20. Both teams 50% at the faceoff dot. Both teams 0 for on the power play. The Flames had two minutes in power play. In penalties, the Jackets four minutes. The Jackets were out hitting the game 17 to 10. They were out blocked in the they, Jackets out blocked the Flames and out gave away the Flames. The Flames had 18 giveaways to the Jackets 13. The Jackets had 14 blocks to the Flames eight. The Jackets had five takeaways to the Flames three. Both teams were even on shots after 20 minutes of play. The Flames at 12 apiece. The Flames had 17 shots on goal in the second to Columbus's four and three, four shots for the Jackets in the third. And the Flames had 12 shots in total. So the Jackets fall to the Flames six to two on Tuesday of the 15th of February. We get to then. The 17th on Thursday. Jackets traveled on the road to, to United Center. To the land that is Chicago, Illinois. And the Jackets were battling against the Chicago Blackhawks. And, you know, the Hawks are struggling. They have been struggling all season long. I figured this would be a game for the Jackets to bounce back. And they did. And, it, and they came out big. As Bruce, as as Boone Jenner, I almost said Bruce Jenner, Boone Jenner, some goals make you want to go boom at the 6.58 mark of the first period on the power play as Yaka Vorchek gets the assist, his 31st assist of the season. So with Zach Wierenski, his 22nd assist of the season, beating goaltender from the Chicago Blackhawks, Strongbaum, and it's one nothing Jackets. At the 6.58 mark of the first period. Then Igor Chinnikov getting his sec sixth goal of the season from Gustav Nyquist and Cole Sillinger making it a 2-0 Jackets lead at the 7.11 mark of the first period before uh, Khrushchev getting his fourth of the season from Doc and Kubalek on the power play beating Elvis Merce Lincolns. It's 2-1 Jackets. And then Ryan Carpenter getting his first goal of the season from Brett Connolly and Kursov tying the game at two apiece, 14-20 mark, first mark, 14-21 mark of the first period. But then, not even, about a minute and a half later, Max Domi getting his ninth of the season from Igor Chinnikov, beating Strombaum, making it a 3-2 game after 20 minutes of play. In the second, it started off great and dandy for the Jackets, as not, not even nine seconds into the period, Patrick Liney, the bug himself, Gets his 14th of the season from, from Vladislav Gavrikov and Boone Jenner. And it's 4-2 Jackets. Not even 9 seconds into the game. And then Entwistle for the Hawks at the 18.02 mark of the second period. Gets his 5th of the season from Dahan and Carpenter. It's 4-3 Jackets after 40 minutes of play. Then Line A again. Beating Strombaum again. His his 15th goal of the season from the assist from Boone Jenner. His 17th by three Jackets at the 7.58 mark of the third period before Andrew Dibrinkin getting his 29th goal of the season from Patrick Kane and Seth Jones. His 5-4 Jackets, 8.58 mark of the third period. And then Oliver Bjorkstrand, the maestro himself, puts the game away. Gives us the game-winning goal. His 15th of the season from Max Domi and Zach Warinsky. It's 6-4 Jackets. And then to put the icing on the cake, 
Patrick Line gets the empty netter. His first hat trick as a Blue Jacket. His 12th career hat trick at the 1955 mark of the third period. The Jackets go into the United Center and shut down the Hawks by a score of 7-4. The three stars of the game, Ryan Carpenter, the number three star for the Hawks. Orinsky, the number two star, and Patrick Laine, the number one star. Shots on goal in the game. The Jackets finally outshoot the Hawks 37-32. On the faceoff dot, the Jackets led in the faceoff dot 57% to 43%. The Jackets one for three on the power play. The Hawks one for four on the power play. As the Hawks only had six minutes in penalties, the Jackets had eight minutes of penalties. The Jackets out hitting the Hawks in the game 20 to 12. They out blocked the Hawks 21 to 18. Both teams had nine giveaways, but the Hawks had nine takeaways to Columbus's five takeaways. Five takeaways. Shots on goal. The Jackets led in the first period 16 to 11. The Hawks led in the second at 10 to 8, but the Jackets led in the third 13 to 11 for a total of 37 32 in the game. By the way, the overall stat Merslink is stopping 28 of 32. His save percentage of a point 875 for Strombaum stopping only 30 of 36. His save percentage of a point 883. So the Jackets, a big win. On last Thursday, we get to last night, and the Jackets welcomed in the Buffalo Sabres. Now, the Jackets were coming off of the big win over, over Chicago, had a couple days off to get back into Nationwide, and for the first time in a long time, I will say this, the Jackets finally win a game when they're wearing their third jerseys. Now, I, I've been notorious to say this, the Jackets are terrible when they play, wear those third jerseys. They're not a winning jersey for them, but they proved me wrong again. As, as the Jackets find a way, as as Elvis Merzlikas was pulled, and he's out day-to-day now with a lower body injury. Corpusalo's out with a lower body injury. So who is starting in the net for the Jackets? A guy by the name of Philip Grube. Yes, his last start was in 2018. He's been in Cleveland working in the in the Jacket organization. He gets the call up. He makes 33 saves in his debut back in the NHL. And it gives him a win, which started off with Dean Coogan getting his second of the season from Igor Chinnikov and Max Stoney on the tip-in shot. It was 1-0 Jackets at the 447 mark of the first period. Before then, Buffalo then tallied two in a row as Plesak getting his second of the season from Olofsson and Cousins. It's tied at one at the 15.05 mark of the first period. And then not even a minute or so later, Thompson getting his 20th of the season from Tuck. It's 2-1 Buffalo at the 7.14 mark of the first period. But then Boone Jenner getting his 21st goal of the season from Yakov Voracek and Patrick Liney on the tip-in shot. Tying the game at two, and that's where we stood after 20 minutes of play at the Schwide. We get into the second period, and then Dean Coogan getting his second of the night, his third of the season. At the 3.28 mark of the second period from Bayreuter and Gruss, his first assist, it's 3-2 Jackets after 32 Jackets at the 3.28 mark of the second period before Zach Attack himself. Zach Wierenski getting his eighth of the season from Oliver Bjorkstan and Boone Jenner making it a 4-2 Jackets lead. And then Gruss himself getting his second goal of the season 
from Patrick Line and Dean Kukin. It's 5-2 Jackets at the 17:43 mark of the second period. Then Christopher Okpozo getting his 12th of the season for the Buffalo Sabres from Karube and Milsek, which is a weird goal because the play was weird because the puck went off of Barube. He fell on top of it, and it went into the back of the net, but nobody was paying attention to that because Gabrikov was on top of his man and dropping the gloves. They were both sent off to the box for two minutes apiece. Luciated four aside, but they, the league reviewed it, found that the puck crossed the back, crossed the line. It was a 5-3 game after 40 minutes of play, but then the Jackets really then turned on the gas, kept it up for them, and Buffalo could not respond as Gustav Nyquist getting his 13th goal of the season from Sean Corrali and uh, Valasov Gavrikov into the empty net. It was 6-3 Jackets. But this kid, I love this kid so much. He played with the with the Cincinnati Cyclones. Justin Danforth coming back from injury after being injured for a while. Comes back on the ice getting a goal with four seconds to go in the third period. His third of the season from Guns. It's his second assist. 7-3 Jackets. And that was the final. As the Jackets come into the home from the Swide. Home from the long road trip. With a big 7-3 win over the Buffalo Sabres. The Sabres not that great this year, by the way. But J.F. Barube, the number three star. Brendan Grantz, the number two star. And Dean Kukin, the number one star. The Jackets outshot the Sabres in the game 39-36. The Sabres led in the faceoff dot 51% to 49%. Both teams were on the power, 0 for on the power play with Columbus only having four minutes in penalties to the Sabres six. The Jackets out hitting the Sabres in the game 17 to 15, out blocking the Sabres 12 to 8. The Sabres had three giveaways to the Jackets six. They also had 10 takeaways to the Jackets sevens. The Jackets had 19 shots on net in the first period, the second most in a in this season for the Jackets compared to Buffalo's eight. In the second, the Jackets outshot the Sabres 12 to 10, but the Sabres outshot the Jackets in the third 18 to 8 in the game. By the way, for Garube, for Barube in the game, he stopped 33 of 36. His save percentage of a point, 917 for the Sabres in the game. It was uh, Craig Anderson stopping 32 of 38. His save percentage of a point, 842. So the Jackets, a huge win. So all these games that, have, that they're playing are the rescheduled games from when the COVID outbreak happened. In the rebuild games that they have, they are... Five and one. But now we are facing the toughest part of the schedule going forward. Let's say that. It starts tomorrow night at the Schwai, 200 West Nationwide Boulevard in the capital city of Columbus, Ohio, as our Columbus Blue Jackets will battle Austin Matthews and the Toronto Maple Leafs. A big game, 7 o'clock puck drop tomorrow night at the Schwai. If you got tickets, Enjoy the game. If you need tickets, get tickets for this one. This one's going to be a dandy. Uh, and these are big games for the Jackets because the next four games are against playoff teams. We're going to find out that the Jackets are going to be playoff contenders or they're going to be sellers here soon enough. As the Jackets will play Toronto tomorrow night, they will then hit the road Thursday as they will head to Sunrise, the Battle of the Florida Panthers. It's going to be a Daunting test for them. And then the next night they are in Carolina to battle the Hurricanes. 
for a Thursday, Friday back-to-back. -back. They're off on Saturday, return back to Nationwide to battle the Pittsburgh Penguins, a 6 o'clock puck drop next Sunday. And then they will host the New Jersey Devils on March the 1st. They will have a day, two days off before they host the LA Kings. And then March 5th, the Boston Bruins come to Nationwide Arena. That is the night of Rick Nash's retirement. And the first time that the Jackets will face Nick Foligno and the Boston Bruins at Nationwide Arena. They'll have a day off on that, on that Sunday before they play the Toronto Maple Leafs again at home. So they're playing Toronto back-to-back -back in the span of a, about two weeks' time. So that's going to be pretty interesting to see. The Jackets then will play Toronto. Then they'll head to New York to see the Isle, the Battle of the Islanders. Then they're at home against Minnesota the next night, a night off before they welcome in the Vegas Golden Knights on the 13th of March. And that will be that's the upcoming schedule for the Jackets. Now, taking a look at the standings going into tonight's play. Florida is in the top spot in the Atlantic Division at 35-10-5 with 75 points. Tampa was in second at 32-11-6 with 70 points. Toronto, who the Jackets will face tomorrow, are 32-13-3 with 67 points. Metropolitan Division looks like this. Carolina in the top spot at 35-11-4 with 74 points. Pittsburgh, 31-13-8 with 70 points. The Rangers, 32-13-5 with 69 points. The wild card standings look like this. Washington holding the top wild card spot at 28-15-9 with 65 points. Boston, 29-17-4 with 62 points. On the outside looking in are the Detroit Red Wings at 23-22-6 with 52 points. Columbus, 25-23-1 with 51 points. The Islanders, 18-20-7 with 43 points. The Ottawa Senators, 18-26-5 with 41 points. The Philadelphia Flyers, 15-25-10 with 40 points. Buffalo is 16-27-8 with 40 points. The Devils are 18-28-5 with 39 points. And the Montreal Canadiens are the worst team in the Eastern Conference at 10-33-7 with 27 points. Western Conference looks like this. Colorado is in the top spot in the Central Division at 36-10-4 with 76 points. Minnesota 31-13-3 with 65 points. St. Louis 29-14-6 with 64 points. The Pacific Division looks like this. Calgary is in the top spot at 30-13-6 with 66 points. Vegas on is in second at 29-18-4 with 62 points. Edmonton 28-19-3 with 59 points. Wild card looks like this, and this is a pretty interesting wild card. Top two wild card teams are this. The Nashville Predators in the top spot at 28-18-4 with 60 points. LA is 26-17-7 with 59 points. On the outside looking in are the Anaheim Ducks at 24-19-9 with 57 points. Dallas 27-20-2 with 56 points. Winnipeg 22-20-8 with 52 points. Vancouver 23-22-6 with 52 points. And San Jose 22-22-5 with 49 points. The bottom seed sees the Chicago Blackhawks at 18-26-8 with 44 points. Seattle 16 31 and 4 with 36 points, and the Arizona Coyotes 13 33 and 4 with 30 points. And that is the overall standings going into today's play. All the news and notes around the pass along to you guys here as we get you closer and closer. The stadium series will be happening this upcoming Saturday. Game is scheduled for 7 30. It, it will be in Nashville as it will be the Predators hosting the Lightnings at Nissan Stadium. 
Saturday night game on TNT as the same series kicks continues their play. Uh, of course, sad note to pass along as it is possible that the former coach and manager of the New York Rangers, the St. Louis Blues, and finally the Hartford Whalers, most famously built the Rangers in the 1970s to be the powerhouse with scouting prowess and skills. I am talking about the one and only Aline Francis has passed on from the world dead at the age of 95. So our thoughts and prayers are with him. Uh, the Heritage jerseys have been announced. It will be the Buffalo Sabres taking on the Mo uh, Toronto Maple Leafs in Hamilton. And the Sabres have announced their jerseys. They're going to wear the old-style jerseys with the old jer the old um, Buffalo Sabres logo to it. Toronto's going to wear the Toronto Arena's jerseys, so that's going to be cool to see on that. So there's some news and notes. We had some games that took place this afternoon. Around the NHL, uh, Colorado was a loser to, to Boston today, 5-1. to one. The big story out of this one is that Nathan McKinnon slashed a linesman after the puck drop. Uh, the league is going to look into this one. This was a big no-no. The league caught that, and he, he was game, given a game misconduct. He was tossed out of the game, so the league is going to look at that for sure. In overtime today, the Hurricanes and winner over Philadelphia, 4-3. Uh, Calgary beats the Winnipeg Jets, 3-1. Right now, as we speak right now, Montreal is just throttling the Toronto Maple Leafs by a score of 5 to nothing. Seattle is in Vancouver tonight, 10 o'clock puck drop for that one as well. As you're listening, that was the latest Jackets report. The Jackets taking on the Leafs tomorrow, and the Jackets are getting the Canadians beating up on the Leafs tonight. That's not a good sign for the Jackets tomorrow night at the Schweiz. 7 o'clock puck drop. Jackets, Leafs tomorrow night at Nationwide Arena. As you're listening to All ADL for tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and however you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And now let's hear the latest ECHL slash walleye roundup right here on All Andy Elford. It's time to hit the pond. It's time for the Wall Eye Roundup right here on All Andy Alfred. So it's now time for the latest walleye roundup in ECHL news and notes as we talk about the premier double-A hockey league that is the East Coast Hockey League. And when I last left you, the walleye were taking on the Atlanta Gladiators the night before the Super Bowl. The walleye, a big 5-3 win over the Atlanta Gladiators. Uh, if you go ahead and we go into the week that week, the week of the 15th, we'll start with Tuesday night's action. It was the Lions battling the 
the Adirondack Thunder, the Lions will win 5-3. Greenville beats up on South Carolina 6-2. And the Allen Americans are winners 7-2 over the Kansas City Mavericks on the 15th of February. We get to Wednesday, and the slate of games looks like this. Jacksonville wins in a shootout over Florida 3-2. Fort Wayne a 6-3 win over the Kalamazoo Wings. Rapid City, a 5-4 win over the Norfolk Admirals. It was the Iowa Heartlanders, a 4-3 win over the Tulsa Oilers. Wichita beats Idaho 3-2. Allen, a winner, 5-4 over the Kansas City Mavericks. The Walleye took on the Cincinnati Cyclones at Heritage Bank Center in the Queen City of Cincinnati, Ohio. And it started off with Mitchell Hurd in the first period getting his first his ninth goal of the season, getting the goal scoring started for the Fish unassisted as it was his ninth of the season at the 10-22 mark of the first period. And that was what the score was after 20 and 40 minutes of play before Brett Boeing getting his 14th goal of the season from Hurd and Gazzola on the power play at the 9-31 mark of the third period. Then Matthew Berry, his 11th of the season from Hensick and Gazzola, making it 3-0 fish halfway through the third period before Cincinnati finally woke up as it was Zonercheck from Edge and Vibe at the 17:35 mark of the third period, making it a 3-1 Cincinnati 3-1 Walleye game, and then Justin Vibe his 16th of the season from Karens and Caboso at the 19:34 mark of the third period. But it was not enough time as the Fish getting a big 3-2 win over the Cincinnati Cyclones at Heritage Bank Center in front of 2,386. Time of the game: two hours and 20 minutes. The three stars of the game. Uh, Zavrachak from Cincinnati, the number three star. Brett Boeing, the number two star. And Billy Christopoulos, the number one star. He stopped 27 of 29. His save percentage it was a .950. As it was Redmond, the loss, he stopped 20 of 23. His save percentage was a .925. Before he was pulled for Robson, who stopped 6 of 6 in the game for the Cyclones. That's the Fish, a 3-2 win over the Cyclones. We get to Thursday night slate, the 17th, at Jacksonville getting a 3-2 win over the Orlando Solar Bears. On Friday the 18th, the slate looks like this. The Lions beat the Adirondack Thunder 6-4. Iowa was a winner 5-2 over the Kalamazoo Wings. India 4-1 win over the Orlando Solar Bears. It was a shutout against the Swamp Rabbits as Atlanta gets a 4-0 win over the Swamp Rabbits. Newfoundland a 4-3 win over the Maine Mariners. Florida a 4-3 win in overtime over South Carolina. Rapid City falls to Norfolk 3-2 in a shootout. Cincinnati a 5-2 win over the Tulsa Oilers. It was Idaho a 2-1 win in a shootout over the Kansas City Mavericks. Wichita a 4-3 win over the Allen Americans. And Wooster falls to the wins over the Utah Grizzlies by a score of 4-1. We take a look at the game for the Walleye. The Walleye took on the Fort Wayne Comets at the Allen County War Memorial, the beautiful Allen County War Memorial in Fort Wayne, Indiana. As the Fish took on the Fort Wayne Comets, and the Comets jumped out to the early start with a not even 11 seconds in. It's Petrozelli getting his 17th of the season for, for Karen and Karan. It's one nothing Comets. Before Matthew Barry gets his 12th of the season from Hensick and Lowry, making it a 1-1 game. And then Brett Boeing, shorthanded, beats, beats goaltender Harvey for a 2-1 lead after 20 minutes of play. 
Fort Wayne then bounces back, starting off in the second period as Lincoln getting its eighth of the season from Jones and Curran on the power play, and it's 2-2. Halfway, th quarter of the way through the second period, Matthew Berry getting his second of the game, his 13th of the season from Albert and Hensick on the power play. The Fish take a 3-2 lead. Then Howersell then capitalizes in the same frame, his ninth of the season from Lowry and Gazzola, making this 4-2 walleye lead. They continue it into the third period with Brett Schultz getting his ninth of the season from Delali and Howard Shell, making it a 5-2 game before Fort Wayne capitalizes, getting their third of the season from Tertello, his eighth of the season from Graber and Koran. It's 5-3 Fort Wayne, and then Albert puts the icing in the cake, his 15th of the season from Hensick and Lowry, making it a 6-3 game. That was the final at the War Memorial Memorial Coliseum as the Fish beat the Fort Wayne Comets in front of 7,373. Time of the game, 2 hours and 27 minutes by a score of 6-3. to three. The three stars were Barry was the number one star, Howershell the number two star, Hensick the number three star. In the game, Christopoulos stopping 37 of 40, his save percentage of a .925. Harvey stopped 36 of 42, his save percentage of a .854. So the Fish getting a big 6-3 win on Friday the 18th. On the 19th of February, it was wheeling a 5-3 win over the Running Royals. The, Royals. the Lions of Taros beat the Maine Mariners 6-2. The Newfoundland Growlers a 3-2 win over the Adirondack Thunder. Norfolk beats loses to Rapid City by a score of 4-3. Fort Wayne a winner 4-2 over the Tulsa Oilers. Atlanta, a 5-2 win over the Greenville Swamp Rabbits. Indy loses to a shootout to the Orlando Solar Bears, 1-0. Iowa beats up on Kalamazoo on Harry Potter night, 5-2. It was the Wichita Thunder, a 4-3 win over the Allen Americans. And the Worcester Whalers beat up on the Utah Grizzlies by a score of 6-2 on Saturday, the 19th of February. We get to Sunday slate. Atlanta was a winner 5-1 over the Greenville Swamp Rabbits. South Carolina falls to the Jacksonville Icemen 5-2. The Maine Mariners in overtime beat the Lions of Travolse 2-1. The Newfoundland Growlers a 5-3 win over the Running Royals. Kalamazoo falls to the Fort Wayne Comets by a score of 5-2. And I got to say this about this game. I follow the comments on on Instagram, and I was watching some of the highlights. This kid drops the gloves against, I, I don't know who it is, it was a fight between Kalamazoo and Fort Wayne, and the kid is antagonizing the crowd to like, let's go, come on, make some noise, and then he throws a punch at the That is not how you're supposed to drop the gloves, my friend. You, you, you fight with the partner. You're not Matthew Barnaby. Don't be that way. Don't be that way. You want to start something? Drop the gloves, fight like a man. Don't in help the crowd out. The crowd will pump you up. Don't have to pump the crowd up for you to drop the gloves. It's not necessary. It's not necessary. I got to look up the guy right here. Let's see here. Here it is. It was Taylor and Bush. Bush was the guy that dropped the gloves. Bush should not. That, that's a Bush League play. Plain and simple. You don't antagonize the crowd by pumping them up. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. But the wall I did play yesterday evening. They took on the Cincinnati Cyclones again at Heritage Bank Center. And a good-sized crowd on a Sunday afternoon 
in the Queen City of 3,900 in attendance. And it started off with Cincinnati jumping out to the early lead as Justin Vibe, his 17th of the season, Capistrano a shorthanded goal at the 7:23 mark of the first period, giving the Cyclones a early one nothing lead. Then Justin Albert, his 16th of the season, from Hawkins and Gazzola on the power play at the 3:17 mark of the second period, making it a one one game. Then Hawkins, his 13th of the season, from Matthew Berry, making it a two one game in favor of the Fish after 40 minutes of play. Then Jesse Schultz, his 14th of the season, from Justin Vibe and Kearns. At the 2-11 mark of the third period, and that was all the scoring in regulation. As both teams got a point out of it, they go to overtime, and Ryan Lowry gets his first goal as the with the fish, his first of the season from Hensick on a broken play on overtime. At the 136 mark into the overtime period, the fish go into Heritage Bank and destroy the Cyclones by a score of three to two. The three stars of the game, Hauser, the number three star, Kostopoulos, the number two star, and Lowry, the number one star. Hauser started for Cincinnati. He was 37 for 40. His save percentage of a point, nine to five. For Kostopoulos, he stopped 43 of 45. His save percentage of a point, nine, five, zero. So the Fish getting a big win against the Cyclones on Sunday afternoon. Games today, we had two finals today. Wooster, a loser to the Utah Grizzlies by a score of 5-4. to four, And Kansas City, a winner over Idaho, 5-1. to one. Tomorrow night, the 22nd, uh, Newfoundland is in Adirondack to battle the Thunder. And Redding is in Wheeling to battle the Nailers. On Wednesday night, a full slate of games as Norfolk travels to Jacksonville to battle the Icemen. The Lions host the Maine Mariners, 7 o'clock puck drop for that one. Newfoundland is in Adirondack to battle the Adirondack Thunder. South Carolina is in Greenville to battle the Swamp Rabbits. Running is in Wheeling to battle the Nailers. Orlando is in Florida to battle the Everblades. Iowa hosts the Wichita Thunder. And Wooster hosts the Wooster Travels to Idaho. The next game for the Fish. Oh, other games, of course. Thursday the 24th, a 10.30 puck drop for this one in Indianapolis as Kalamazoo takes on the Indy Fuel. South Carolina is in Atlanta to battle the Gladiators. Allen is in Cincinnati to battle the Cyclones. Friday's slate looks like this. Redding is in Indy. Florida is in Jacksonville. Newfoundland is in Travolse. Maine is in Adirondack. Kalamazoo is in Wheeling. The Fish will continue and come back home to the Huntington Center to battle the Wichita Thunder. A 7-15 puck draw for that one on Friday night. Other games around the league, of course, like I mentioned before. Norfolk is in Atlanta. Fort Wayne is in Iowa to battle the Heartlanders. Utah is in Kansas City. Rapid City is in Tulsa. Wooster is in Idaho to battle the Steelheads. Saturday, it will be Newfoundland in, in Travos. Florida is in South Carolina. Maine is in Adirondack. Wichita is in Indianapolis. Norfolk is in Jacksonville. Kalamazoo travels to Wheeling. Redding is in Toledo. 7-15 puck drop for that one. Allen is in Cincinnati. Fort Wayne is in, in, in Iowa. Utah is in Kansas City. Rapid City is in Tulsa. Wooster is in Idaho. So, And then on Sunday... A slate looks like this. Allen is in Cincinnati for the final for the final night. They'll play three straight in in Cincinnati. Greenville is in Orlando. 
Florida is in South Carolina. Newfoundland is in Travos. Utah is in Kansas City. Rapid City is in Tulsa. Redding will be back in Toledo for the final night, a 5:15 puck drop on Sunday afternoon. And that is the slate of schedule games. Uh, news and notes to pass around today around the East Coast Hockey League to pass along to you. Of course, let's see here, 20, 21st right here. Uh, Indy has released Noah Damas. Uh, the Lavo uh, Trevor Rivera released Paul Antoinette Dersiers and forward Philippe Beruberas. Other transactions today. Uh, let me see here if anything pops up for Toledo. Popped up here. Nothing has popped for Toledo. Uh, other notes. Uh, Indy has released Liam Folks and have recalled from Rockford. The four has been recalled from Rockford. Iowa has added Corbin Kabrisky. Goaltender returned from loan from Syracuse and have de- have taken off Derek Luis Juan on defense and have placed him on reserves. Wheeling has added Sa- Simone Heru from Wilkesbury Scranton and have have decided to place on injured reserve Tyler Devrontcheck. Wichita has traded to Cincinnati forward Joe Madrachek. So that is a trade for you there. Now, let's take a look at the standings. We'll start with the Central Division. Toledo is in the top spot. They're 32-10, and 2 with 67 points. Wheeling is now the second-place team at 26-18, with 53 points. Fort Wayne is in third spot at 25-17-5-1 with 56 points. Cincinnati 25-20-3-0 with 53 points. Kalamazoo 24-22-0-0 with 48 points. Iowa 20-23-6-1 with 47 points. And the Indy Fuel 20-23-2-3 with 45 points. In the Mountain Division, it is Utah in the top spot at 30-17-2-1 with 63 points. Idaho 28-19-2-1 with 59 points. Rapid City 25-19-4-3 with 57 points. The Tulsa Oilers 24-21-1-2 with 51 points. The Allen Americans 21-25-1 with 48 points. Wichita Thunder, who the Walleye will play Friday night, are 22 21 and 7-0 with 51 points. Kansas City, 23-24, 2-1 with 49 points. In the Eastern Conference, we'll start with the North Division. It is led by the Newfoundland Growlers, who are 24-12-3-0 with 51 points. The Running Royals, who the Fish will play Saturday and Sunday, are 23-12-5-1 with 52 points. The Lions are 22-13-3-1 with 48 points. The Wooster Railers are 20-22-1. and 20-22-1 with 43 points. The Maine Mariners, 20-24-2 with 46 points. And the Adirondack Thunder, 16-24-2-0 with 34 points. In the South, it is Jacksonville, 29-14-2-1 with 61 points. The Florida Everblades are 26-15-4-4 with 60 points. Atlanta, 28-17-3-1 with 60 points as well. Orlando, 29-19-3-0 with 53 points. Greenville, 16-21-4-3 with 39 points. Norfolk, 17-25-2-2 with 38 points. And the South Carolina Stingrays are 16-26-5-0 with 37 points. By the way, looking at it league-wise, Toledo's the top team at 67 points. 
Jacksonville with 61, Newfoundland 51, and then you have Utah with 63. Now I say Utah is in fifth spot. Running is in fourth spot. They have played 41 games. Newfoundland has played 39 games. The Wally have played 45. Jacksonville has played 46. Utah has played 50. So there's games in hand still left to play. So it's all going to be shaped up. Like I said before, Conference Western, it's going to be between Toledo and Utah. And then in the East, it's going to be Jacksonville and Newfoundland. Ain't that a geographic mess for you there? See, remember, the top four teams in each division automatically go to the playoffs. But the best team overall in the league right now are the Toledo Walleye at 32-10-1-2 with 67 points. So put that there. Put that little note there. As you're listening to All Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and however you're listening, thank you for tuning in. Now let's talk some other sports. Of course, let's recap the Olympics. We have Daytona 500 and some golf to talk about. Well, let's break down some other sports. Of course, we have concluded Beijing 2022. The Olympics have officially come to a close the closing ceremonies was absolutely fantastic. I watched that Sunday morning while having my cinnamon toast crunch with some Lucky Charms marshmallows mixed in with that cereal mix. It was fantastic. Uh, uh, some it was breathtaking to see you know the 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 pageantry that it is. Closing ceremonies to see the snowflake just die out and the flame just to end. Uh, to see all the nations walk in together was cool and the it wasn't just separate like the like how it is in the opening ceremonies all the nations came walking in together with their with the flags came in first and then the the athletes came in and it was fantastic the overall final medal count looks like this Nor Norway had 16 golds 8 silvers 13 bronze for a total of 37 medals Germany, 12 golds, 10 silver, 5 bronze for 27. The host country, China, had 9 golds, 4 silver, 2 bronze for 15. The United States had 8 gold, 10 silver, 7 bronze for 25. Sweden had, had 8 golds, 5 silvers, 5 bronze for 18 medals. The Netherlands, 8 gold, 5 silver, 4 bronze for 17. Austria had seven gold, seven silver, four bronze for a total of 18. The Swiss, seven gold, two silver, five bronze for 14. The Russian Olympic Committee, six gold, 12 silver, 14 bronze for a total of 32 medals. France, five golds, four, seven silvers, two bronze, 14 medals in total. The Canadians had four gold, eight silver, 14 bronze for a total of 26. Japan, 3 gold, 6 silver, 9 bronze for a total of 18. Italy, 2 gold, 7 silver, 8 bronze, 17 medals in total. Korea had 2 golds, 5 silver, 2 bronze for 9 medals. Slovakia, 2 golds, 3 silvers, 2 bronze for 7 medals. Finland, 2 gold, 
two silver, four bronze, eight medals in total. New Zealand, two golds, one silver, one bronze, three medals. Australia, one gold, two silver, one bronze, four medals in total. Great Britain, one gold, one silver, two medals in total. Hungary, one gold, two bronze for three. Belgium, one gold, one bronze, two. The Czech Republic, one gold, one bronze, two. Slovakia, one gold, one bronze, two silver. So, yeah, Slovenia was the one I was talking about. Two, three, two with seven medals. Poland with one bronze. Latvia with one bronze. Estonia with one bronze. Ukraine with one silver. Spain with one silver. Belarus, two silvers in total. So congratulations to the Olympics and congratulations to Norway for winning the Olympics. Now we turn to France 2024 for the Summer Games, but the Winter Games will now go to 2026. And we look forward to Milan. Yes, Milan will now host the Winter Games in 2026. And I'm looking forward to that. Really looking forward to that. Coffee. Pasta. Magnifique, my friends. That's amore. So, yeah. The Olympics are officially done. Uh, I haven't heard the final totals on how NBC did in their viewership of the Olympics, but we'll see. We'll see how it all shakes out. we got a couple days before they get the numbers finally together, and we'll report it to you probably on Thursday's edition of All Andy Alford. So there's that for you. Of course, the Daytona 500 took place this past, this past Sunday, and it was a dandy of a Daytona 500 and it was the, you know, it, it, it's one of the grand events that, you know, you have to cross off on your bucket list. You really do. As the NASCAR series begins as it was the rookie himself. Austin centric leading 21 laps and being the second youngest winner of the Daytona 500 to win the Daytona 500. Bubba Wallace finishes in second. Chase Briscoe finishes in third. Ryan Blaney in fourth. Eric Almarola finishes in fifth. Kyle Busch in sixth. Michael McDowell seventh. David Reagan in eighth. Brad Keselowski finishes in ninth. Chase Elliott finishes in tenth. Ty Dillon in eleventh. Daniel Hemmer twelfth. Martin Truex Jr. thirteenth. Uh, it was Landon Castles in 15th. Uh, looking at some other ones, da- Danielle Suarez at 18th. Kurt Busch at 19th. Joey Logano finishes 21st. Uh, Austin Dillon 25th. Alex Bowman 24th. It was Ricky Stenhouse Jr. finishing 28th. Kevin Harvick finishes 30th. Kyle Larson finishes 32nd. Todd Gillen finishes 33rd. Christian Bell, Christer, Christopher Bell finishes 34th. Greg Biffle finishes 36th. Danny Hamlin finishes 37th. William Byron, 38th. Harrison Burton finishes 39th. And Ross Chastain finishes 40th overall. So they now head to Fontana as they head to Fontana and the Auto Club Speedway for the next race, which will be on the 27th, which will be this upcoming Sunday in California. They'll go to California, and then they will head to... Las Vegas, then to Phoenix, and then back across the country to Atlanta, then the Circuit of America in Austin, Texas. There's 
the updates for that. Uh, getting into some some golf, of course, as it was the Genesis Invitational, as Joaquin Neiman finishes in the top spot at 19 under par. Colin Morikawa finishes 17 under par, tied for second with Cameron Young, who finishes 17 under. Adam Scott, 14 under, finishes tied for fourth with with uh, Victor Hovland. Uh, Justin Thomas just finishes 13 under. Uh, McNeely, 12 under, as well as Scott Shuffler, 12 under as well. Uh, Rory McIlroy finishes tied for 10th at 10 under par. Uh, Shifley finishes 9 under par, tied for 13th. You also have McIntyre finishing 8 under par. Uh, let's see here. Jordan Spieth finishes tied for 26 at 6 under par. Uh, Caterlay, 5 under par, f- tied for 33rd. Tony Finau, tied for 33rd, 5 under par as well. Uh, Matsuyama, 4 under par, tied for 39th with uh, Van Rure. Uh, let's see here. Higgs, 2 under par, tied for 55th with Ricky Fowler as well. And that's uh, uh, Matt Kuchar, even par, tied for 67th. So there's that for you. And a lot of players did not make the cut. Dustin Johnson was the one that didn't make the cut. Uh, Connors did not make the cut. Uh, JT Poison did not make the cut. Brooks Kepka did not make the cut. So Patrick Reed did not make the cut. So there is that for you. And, of course, like I mentioned before, the women's golf is off. They will be back on tour on March the 3rd in Singapore. It will be the HBC HSBC Women's World Championship in the LPGA for that one. And um, let's get into it really quickly. Of course, what's happening in the baseball world. Today would have been the start of opening games, which will be which have started this past, this upcoming Saturday. All games have been postponed. The news and notes around right now, what's happening. The league is looking at this, and they are way far apart from each other. They've spent five hours in the boardroom on Monday, some together, some in their own caucuses, did not equivalent to major progress between the players and the, and the league. And they are far apart from collective bargaining, so we're in a lockout still. The office is overlooking the spring training facility where the St. Louis Cardinals and the Miami Marlins train Leaderships from both sides began to what is, I think, the most important week, in my opinion, too. Because if we're going to have opening day on March 31st, we have to get it done this week. If that doesn't happen, then we're going to look at this season and getting pushed back further and further each week, and it's not good. And it's not good for minor leagues, and it's not good, good for major leagues. I'm just telling you that right now. Just Plain and simple, telling you that right now. So, we'll see. The lockout is it, lockout continues in Major League Baseball. As you're listening to All in the Alfred tonight, right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and however you're listening, thank you for tuning into the show tonight. Now we've come to the end of our program tonight, and tonight. 
we're back to it. It's time for another edition of Andy Rants. It's now time for Andy Rants. And I, again, I want to thank you for tuning into the show tonight. And if you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, then what are you doing? We will have another show for you this upcoming Thursday to get you set for the weekend that is coming up as the Jackets will have big game, a big game tomorrow night against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then Thursday's big game against the against the Florida Panthers. We'll preview that as well as look at the walleye schedule going forward as well as some other college basketball news and notes to pass along to you as well. So it's now time for Andy Rance tonight. And I want to give mention of this first and foremost. I want to congratulate uh, the senior class of BGSU's hockey team. Got an opportunity Saturday night to go down with my with my brother-in-law, uh, Roberto, uh, and myself went down to BG to see BG play Northern Michigan. Uh, great game, great ha- full house on staff. Uh, Got to give a mention to Kevin Peel. He does a fantastic job on CCHA TV. Uh, former BG RSO member does a fantastic job. Uh, keep up the good work, uh, Kevin. Um, you do a great job with BG Athletics altogether. So, congratulations to. The senior class, even though the win didn't it didn't end really well for the for the game, as the Falcons lost four to two to East to Northern Michigan, it was a great crowd on hand, sold out crowd. It was great to see. It's absolutely great to see. So, time for Andy Rance tonight. Um, the whole Juwan Howard thing is just absolutely amazing to me. Was just absolutely amazing to see that happen in college basketball. You know, and people think that you know fighting in college basketball, and we're, the the more the more important thing is about college sports. Uh, going Saturday night to the hockey game, you know, I had to talk it out with my brother-in-law Roberto about you know how the game is different to what he's used to accustomed to the ECHL as well as the NHL, and there's no fighting in college hockey. Uh, they can you know spar back at each other and push off against each other, but they can't drop the gloves and start fighting because they wear a cage over their over their face, and that's 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 the safe way to do it. Uh, so explaining that to him was one thing, and then what happened the next day with the fight between Michigan and Wisconsin? It's just you know. Everybody played it out today that about Steph Curry and the All-Star game, and they put the Jawan Howard thing in the back burner. I think that needed to be brought up to the front burner no matter what the situation is. And to hear the suspension tonight, right before we went on the air, about him getting four games and a $25,000 suspension a fine, and then the coach of Wisconsin only getting a $10,000 suspension but no game suspended in the assistant who got hit by Juwan, who was the antagonizer, getting absolutely nothing. It's just absolutely atrocious. College sports have just... College sports have just ruined sports in general when it comes to things. You know, 90% of the players on the Michigan team, are not going to be playing in on, on every day in the NBA. So they have to listen to the leadership of Jawan Howard and them. And to see their coach going at it and then them having to 
to see that their coach is fighting, they fight. You know, it's about leadership. That's what the game is. And, like, seniors and stuff like that have to step up to that and say, you know, we can't do that. You can't do that. You can't fight. And help tell the younger class, the freshmen and the sophomores that want to throw and want to believe and tell them to stop. You can't do that. You can't do that. But I think in some aspects of the sporting world, like in college hockey, in my opinion, I think in college hockey, they should be allowed, you know, to if to drop the gloves once in a while. If your goalie gets run over, or if your player, your let's say, it's me and my buddy, we're roommates together, we're playing on the same team. My buddy gets ran into, who I who I treat as a brother gets ran into the boards on a bad call. And I want to go defend him and help him out. I can't do that in college. So I think in my opinion, college hockey should invest in to fighting a little bit. If you get a suspension off of it, you know, it's fine. But, or, or at least, uh, you know, your, your game misconduct for the rest of the night, that's fine. But to defend... Just to defend your own players and defend your own teammates is very, very key. Very, very key. So, I think college hockey should adopt some fighting in their league. Fighting in their league. Plain and simple. I'm actually looking forward to some events going forward, of course, here as we cover it here on All Andy Elf. Of course, one is the Dana Open, which will be taking place Labor Day weekend at Highland Meadows Golf Course. Looking forward to covering that for you guys. Looking forward to covering, hopefully, some baseball. I, I, I just think that baseball is not going to happen this year. I keep After reading the report, after report, after report, I just don't think Major League Baseball is going to happen this year. I really don't. And that's a sad thing. Because that's something that we all look forward to. You know, after the Super Bowl, for me, I look to what's next in the sports calendar. We have March Madness, of course. But then after March Madness, it's baseball and then the Masters. Now, with baseball gone, I'm going to have a void in this. Now, could it be, could it be um, filled with something else? Sure it can. It's going to be hockey. It's going to be more into hockey now because hockey goes all the way up until the end of April now, which is a which is a blessing in a lot of disguise because it's going to mask the fact that there's no baseball going on. I'm not going to see the Reds this year, possibly. Not see the Tigers, possibly, this year. Not an opportunity to go see the new Guardians. We'll see. We'll see. But that void that we're getting no baseball is is becoming more and more large. More and more large every single day with this lockout continuing. So the owners and the players find the agreement. We have to. We have to come to an agreement. We have to. 
for the sake of the game and for the sake of the fans, we have to come to the agreement and get it done. Get a deal done. Baseball is supposed to be America's pastime. And we're losing the pastime by a lockout. It's going to wrap it up for all NBL for tonight. On this Monday night on President's Day. Hope you had a great day off. If you had your day off, I was working. Doing the podcast tonight and working at my other job. We'll be back on Thursday for another edition of All Andy Alford. As we get you set for the weekend ahead. Right here on All Andy Alford. And of course, I want to make mention of this. I'm going to get together with some friends of mine on Friday night. Looking forward to that. Haven't seen a few of you in a long time. I believe the wife is going to be there. Knock on wood. Hopefully she's there. So. Until I talk to you guys on Thursday, this is Andy Elford saying, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. The game of life. Make sure you wear a mask and keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams you root for at home. And to my teams, go Jackets! Get the job done tomorrow night against the Leafs. Go Walleye. Keep up the winning ways. Go Falcons. See if we can get to the dance. Go State and sell the team Ford family. Sell it. And congratulations, Matthew Stafford. Because victory is sweetest. When you have tasted defeat, have a great rest of the week, everybody. I'll talk to you guys on Thursday to get you set up for the weekend right here on All Andy Alfred. I love you guys. Talk to you then. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Elford Network, powered by Anchor. You've been listening to Andy tonight on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Bleaker, however you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you again for tuning into the show tonight. You can be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at Elford, as well as Facebook.com slash Elford. The podcast is performed each week right here on the Anchor Network.